Hello everybody, this is Two Fat Expats and watch out, you're getting the full intro today. My name is Kirsty Rice and I've been on the move for over 20 years. My podcast partner in crime is fellow Aussie Nikki Moffat. Say hello, Nikki Moffat. How are you? Hello, Kirsty Rice. <laughs> okay, so in between us, we've lived in Indonesia, Malaysia, Libya, Hong Kong, South Africa, Canada, the US, Qatar, Germany and Denmark. Uh I've given birth to four children in four different countries, haphazardly leaving placentas wherever I go. And Nikki has run marathons in New York, climbed mountains in Killy and successfully avoided the PTA until very recently, although that is soon to be over. But we'll talk about that more as we go on. Uh, we don't consider ourselves to be experts in the land of expat, which is why we continue to get lost and stuff it up. But that's why we're here. We know how important it is to have your tribe while you travel. And we hope that our weekly chats with expats from all over the world will help you feel at home. Now, if you're new here, come and join our Facebook group. We have over 30,000 members. I think we're getting close to 40,000 members now. It's the place to find out everything you need to know about your next expat move. Okay, Nikki Moffat, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We always start with a how would you I'd say we always start. We've done it about three or four times now. It used to be how could you. Now we do how will you. Uh, maybe you, I will kick it off today with Nikki. How will you deal with the realities that maybe you once previously denied now that you're going back into uh, your repatriating? So I guess what I mean is, Maybe we might have denied things in our family relationships and kidded ourselves that things were a certain way they were because we were just trying to kick along in our expat lives and make the best of what we could. But maybe now that you're, time, now that you're moving back, there's some realities of what life at home is going to involve and how are you going to deal with those things? Yes. So, uh, hello, Kessie. Right? It's lovely to see you back in Doha. And uh, with the, uh, it must nearly be football season, is it? You've got your cap on there. It doesn't have to be football season for me to have my cap on, Nikki. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when now we are coming to the pointy end of the repatriation process, given that we've got sort of four or five months till we uh, hit the ground, and all those people that have spent years saying, "Oh, when are you coming home? Oh, we can't wait for you to come home. <laughs> we really want you to come home." Well, now's the time that they have to put up or shut up and uh, <laughs> and climb on board or otherwise. One of the questions that uh, people living a globally mobile life have to address often is, "When you travel, how are you going to maintain relationships, particularly with your family?" So that's a question that gets asked a lot in the Facebook group. It's a question that we've talked about. Relationships are really important. How uh, relationships are hard and fast when you you know, live an expat life, but you've got these ongoing relationships in your home country that you have to maintain or you don't have to maintain, but most people do. And most people spend a lot of time thinking about how they will do that. And as with everything, it's an age and stage thing. So when you first go, you either you have children, you don't have children, you have baby children, you have big children, but people are very concerned about how to maintain relationships and and ties with family and think of all the people that have said to you oh I could never do that I could never take my kids away from their grandparents 
Uh, and mm. and how we just scoff and put on a brave face and say, well, you know, we're doing it. We're going to be able to do it. And, you know, every time you go home, in inverted commas, family is often and usually a priority and you prioritise that you spend time with your family over other people um, because that they're the most important thing in your life, so to speak. But that's, you know, it's like I tell my kids about living in Australia. It's not, Australia's not all golden gay times and cheesy might scrolls and <laughs> walks on the beach. <laughs> there are some realities of, of actually living there. And one of the things that we've come to discover and in our transition back, you know, both our kids have moved back over the last year, is that our relationship with our family isn't as great or perhaps as we thought it might be or tight so to speak so I think it's, it's really hard to talk about because it's quite personal obviously it, it, it is also uh, individualized but you know when you're a grandparent you can 100% and I fully support this is that grandparents can have favorites because they're grandparents they're not parents and so they can they can have their favorites and when you come to realize can they though I don't think they can Actually, I'll just jump in there. I don't think grandparents can have favourites. Oh, I've never known a grandparent not to have a favourite. Seriously? All the grandparents I know have, you know, secret favourites. You know, they might not be out in the open. They might not be for everybody to see. But, yes, yeah, I I think grandparents do have favourites. Even yeah, I, I I agree with that. Anyway, we can disagree. Okay. We All no, right. but we Sorry can no, but we can also disagree. We can. Yes. That's the purpose of the conversation. Yep, that's the point of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it comes to the fact that our children are not as close to their grandparents as we would like them to be because we have spent time away and that was our choice. And now we're coming back. Yes. That it's yes. basically people in our family have preferences for other family members because they feel that they know them better. And that is feels, you know, like it's a little bit of a kick in the guts in the, in the best part of the repatriation process because, of course, they know other their other grandchildren better because they live in the same country as them. But I just, I, I, I don't know, I've, I've, it's been a very hard realisation and, you know, maybe it could be in our heads or, but, we, you know, we've had some very honest conversations with our families in the last couple of months and uh, my husband and I also come from very different families in terms of how close the immediate and extended family are and you know we are both dealing with this in within our own families in different ways and it's it's really it's it you know it's quite confronting it's it's just another part of the repatriation process that we didn't really think about yeah in advance um you know, and I think yeah. it's, it's age and stage. You know, small children are easier. Small children are easier to 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 insert back into situations because they're open and whatever. And teenagers and young adults are harder because you know you can tell them to do something and they don't necessarily do it. You know, you should you should have your own relationship yeah. with your grandparents. You know, you should write messages, send emails, photos, etc., to develop that because I can't always be doing it on your behalf like I can when I'm younger. And it's been a confronting part of this process in having conversations with our families about that. Yes, yes. Oh, where to start? Where to start, Nikki? Uh, And because you're right, relationships are always what you put into them, aren't they? And it's very hard to put that in when you have been travelling. And I know there are probably lots of 
young expats out there with young children now saying, oh, but we FaceTime, you know, once a week and we do this and we do that. But I think the reality is too, it changes for everybody once children get older. And you've kind of gone from zero to 100 where you've missed that bit in between because your children are not at an age where they're going to crawl up on grandma's lap and say, read me a story. Do you know, like a lot of times little children inflict themselves <laughs> on their grandparents. Do you know, like they just say, sorry, you, you're you going to entertain me. You're going to bake for me. You're going to do whatever. And and we definitely had the same with, with our kids when they were little. You know, we would go to grandma's or granny's and they spent, a lot of intense time with them, you know, like we we moved in with my parents for three months in between a move once and, and I had three children under four. So there was no escaping, you know. We had porticots <laughs> everywhere and my mum set up what looked like a day centre outside. Do you know, it, it was really full on and, and my kids were just in their face but then yeah. they were gone, do you know. Um, so... Yes, it's very easy to do when your children are little. When your children are teenagers, it's a whole different thing. I don't think it's unique to expat life and I'm not uh, trying to make your question or comment any smaller because I I, I understand there are so many different facets to your yeah. question, right? But I do think it does happen to everybody in the way that your question has made me realise how much my life, my children and my mother's relationship has changed in that it's only been five years, right? So so I think, sorry, no, it's been seven. So in, in seven years, we have gone from my daughter went back to boarding school, she would catch a bus to granny's every exit, she would stay with granny for the weekend and she would, you know, come back to boarding school. And then the next child did that. And then there was kind of a break when the next ch- the next child did that for a year, like the third child. So we're now sort of four years on. And then we had, you know, the COVID break and we went home and whatever. In that time, my father died, my mother changed houses, she moved into a smaller house, whatever. My youngest child, I would would not go, you know, to Granny's for an exit weekend now because Granny's life is so yep. different now, and she she doesn't have that same energy to be able to do what she did for the others. And you know, you have that moment. I I can say this because I know my mother doesn't listen to the podcast, but you know, I have moments and this happens when your parents age, right? Where my sister was driving down the driveway with my mum the other day and I thought, oh my God, my mum looks like a little old lady. Do you know she just suddenly looked smaller and was sitting in the car looking, you know how older people just suddenly look shorter and smaller and a little bit more frail and you're more conscious of how they're going to get up the step to get in the house and things you never ever would have ever envisaged with your parents it's a it's a cruel and awful moment of the circle of life but going back to the reality so I think you you have to keep that one in the back of your mind too that it's it's not only that they don't maybe have that relationship or they're not as invested, it's that times have 
changed in age too. I mean, for you, Nikki, it is incredibly hard because you don't have your mum and you remember your mum as a young, involved mother, grandmother, when your children were young and cute and sweet because the reality also is is that young adults are not young and sweet and cute with their grandparents either. They get incredibly frustrated with their grandparents and they don't like certain things their grandparents say or do and they feel like, you know, we have I, – I, I sit there through many moments with my – both sets of my <laughs> – Parents, this is really hard to talk about so openly, isn't it? You just hope nobody replays this to someone. But, you know, there are certain things, you know, my parents might say about gender or race or whatever. They don't even realise what they're saying where you go, oh, my gosh, that is, you know, so alienating to our children because they would never never use those phrases or think those things or whatever and so everything seems so confrontational and you know you know you can't just have a normal conversation without someone saying something inverted commas wrong um but yes going back to your original thing of uh you know the 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 favorite grandchild that really that really blows my mind because no I don't think they should have them and I really hope that I would not do that um to me that's like having a favorite child I would could never have a favorite child no I don't my husband is adamant that I have a favorite child and I don't believe I don't know which one it is I always say to him is it this one is it this one is this one you think is my favorite and he always says to me you know who it is I'm like I don't know who you mean and I I really don't know and um, different days different of my children are my favorite you know like some days but you know overall generally in the scheme of things I, I don't feel that I have a favorite but yeah what you're saying about my mom is so true because I I, you know, she always travelled. She always spent time with us, long periods of time, and she's put a lot of time into getting to know the children um, more so than the other grandparents. And that was situational as well. She was able to do that, and the others were not. And I, that's that's absolutely nothing against any of the grandparents involved. That's just that was her situation. Yes. And so I always think yeah. now, gosh, if we're going home now and Mum was there, it would be just different. It'd be different because my kids would have a champion, you know, in the grandparent space. And and then I'm thinking, well, no, yeah. you know, it's ten years since she was here. You know, <laughs> maybe she wouldn't like my kids anymore yeah. as people, or maybe she wouldn't have a favorite. Maybe she'd be a grandparent without a favorite. But but I, I just I, I'm not sure. I I don't know. I just think, and, and it's not just yeah. grandparents. It's it's all family interactions, right? So, you know, every second year we have gone to Australia for Christmas, and we have said, okay. Um, so I have one brother and my husband has one sister and we are, are now on, on the rotation of, you know, we, in the year that we're not in Australia, they both go to their partner's families. And so when we're in Australia, we always have Christmas with both of them because that's doing everything at once and it's doing all the families. And so this coming year is a, is a year that we would be having Christmas with all of them. And then my husband just said to me, oh, you know, so-and-so is going to be there spending because he's in Australia at the moment, so he's dealing with this all on the ground. He said, oh, they're going to be away this Christmas. I said, what? Where are they going? Oh, they're going to somewhere for Christmas. And I was like, but that's our Christmas. Like that's our year to have with them. And he goes, well, we can do it next year. I said, no, we can't do it next year because that's the way a man thinks. Uh, We can't do it next year because next year they'll be back 
with the other family. I said, so it'll be three years till we have Christmas with them again. And I mean, mm. you know, it's maybe it's not such a big thing since we live in the country, but I just feel like. And maybe that's it. Maybe they think, oh, well, they're coming home now. Do you know, we'll, we can see them all the time and they're going to be in the same But you state. never are. You never do see, you know, family as often as, as you would think and we're not going to be living mm-hmm. close by as far as we can tell at the moment. Anyway, I don't know. I just feel like coming back, this is no different to what I've said um, about mindset and friends and whatever. You go back and you don't talk about your life or whatever you, you we've had that conversation before this is just like you go back and you think that your family will be there in inverted commas and like don't, don't get me wrong yeah. our families are incredibly supportive on on many many levels i'm not dissing our families at all yeah. they have yeah. been yeah. incredibly yeah. supportive yeah. in so many ways the point is is that you have an expectation in your mind and that you just have to correct it you just have to say okay well this expectation is another thing that's not going to be met and it's just like everything else it doesn't matter it's not important we have a family our grandparents love our children our families love our children it's fine but it's just one of those things that you have a, a mental expectation and then you just have to readjust you're constantly readjusting is it a matter too of that while you're away, you might see other people do things with their families and you think, oh, if we all live together, we'd do that as well. You know, it's because we're expats, we don't do that. But if we were all together, but the, the reality is you wouldn't um, because not everybody has families like that. Not everybody does that. You know, our first location that G and I went to was in Perth, which is in Australia. Uh, if we had chosen to settle there, I reckon we would have seen less of our families than if we were expats because we wouldn't have been doing those, you know, big long-haul flights home and staying home for big amounts of time and, you know, the summer breaks and school and blah, blah, blah um, because we would both would have been working, living in suburbia, paying yep. off a mortgage, you know, like it would have would have been different. Um, or Or would we have chucked it all in and gone home? Who knows? That's the thing. You don't know because you don't yeah. know. It just is as simple as that. And I think that I think it's interesting with our expectations of grandparents because when I look at my grandparents lived next door to wow. us growing yeah. up, right next door. Every winter they would get in their caravan and leave for months at a time. I can't rem- remember them ever really babysitting us. I remember they would take us for, you know, drives to the town next door and, you know, buy your uh, little golden book and, um, you know, some treats and things. They probably looked after my sister a lot more than me. There's six years difference so there's a bit of a time gap. I think probably my sister looked after <laughs> me instead of my grandparents. Poor thing. <laughs> That's why I've got a nasty scar <laughs> on my tummy but I know my sister will be listening. Um, and uh, <laughs> anyway, but I think – our expectation, because I always think this with my mum, because my mum did so much for us when my children were little. I just think of all the mail she redirected and all those jobs where, you know, we were overseas and we'd be saying, oh, you know, I need this for my driver. Can you desperately send this? Or we left the keys to this apartment, you know, or whatever. Do you know, she jumped in and did all this stuff while working full time. And then when we were home, all the stuff with the kids. But 
My mum was never a big overnight um, stay for kids on her own. Like she, if I went out to dinner with friends, she'd be ringing at 10 o'clock to say, when are you coming home? Like she wasn't into, oh, I'm going to take these children for days and days. That was never on offer. Uh, You know, she was quite happy to sit and watch the children with you. Um, more and she was amazing at washing and cooking and cleaning and all those things but she wasn't I've looked at other people that take their grandchildren you know for weeks and I've thought wow imagine, you imagine, imagine that, that. You're not that i yeah. it but imagine imagine that right do they have four but kids I wonder though? if it's <laughs> true true story and I wonder if as expats we can get these ideas in our mind of well this is what it would be like and this is what had happened and you'd be able to help and whatever I would, yeah, I I would not be able to ex- have an expectation of my mum having my children for more than a day or two now. Do you know? Like it would be too much. Yeah, and yeah, but that's the thing. So I agree with you. I'm not mm. saying that. I'm just saying that I don't know what it's. I think it's a relationship. I think are you trying to say the relationship isn't as strong as you thought it would be. Yes. The relationship isn't as strong yeah. as I thought it would be and there is no intent to make it stronger. That's what that's what I mean. That's and I've said all it, this for and I'm probably yeah. annoyed some people. I know my brother sometimes listens. So but, it, <laughs> yeah. but what I mean is yeah. that from a grandparent perspective, just and as I said, my mum before my children were born, when I was pregnant, she said to me, Now, Nikki, just so you know I was like, what, what is this about? Just so you know, I'm not going to be the grandparent who's going to come and look after your kid every week and I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. And I was like, yeah, thank, yeah. thanks thanks for yeah. specifying that because I didn't think you were going to, but okay, now we've had the conversation. And, yes. and yes. I never, ever thought that about, about her. Yes. Yet when my children were born – she was always there, like, you know, like not to take yes. them away and, and have them overnight or whatever, but but spent so much time with them. And I was like, but I thought you weren't going to be this involved. And she said, oh, well, you know, things change. Yeah. So it, it's just a matter of those things. And I, I also think that, and I said this to my husband this week, you know, women are closer to their mothers. It's just how it is when they're grown up. I can't yes. explain it to you. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's that phrase, isn't it? Your son's your son until he takes a wife. Your daughter's your daughter for the rest of your life. Yeah, and so in that case, I, I sincerely hope that not to be true. Yes. But <laughs> I sincerely hope that not to be true. It sounds very old fashioned, and it's very you know whatever. And I'd like to think, but do you know, I see my own husband has done it fickle. You know, like he dropped his family like a hotcake. <laughs> if I. If I said, and um, I, re- I mean that in the most humorous possible way, but if I I knew that if I said I want Christmas at my parents because, or I want my birthday at here because, he would he would fold because yeah, yeah. you know it, 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 I can't can't describe it. I will kill my sons if they do that to me. So I think that where we're yeah. at is is that I think it's important that. We continue with confidence to to develop rela- uh, relationships while we're overseas between our families and our children, but that we consider yes. in a repatriation process that it might not be as we had expected. <laughs> yes, and I think, Nikki, yes, because what this podcast is meant to be about is that we collectively have over 40 years of expat experience yep. and that hopefully people could learn from our mistakes. <laughs> 
or yes. do whatever um, and that you're right that I think it's easy when your children are little to watch those FaceTime calls and the, and the Zoom calls or the whatever and go, well, we're, we're kicking goals here because we go home and our kids climb up our parents' arms and legs and they love their aunties and uncles and we all have lovely Christmas days and then we we float off into yes. the ether, right? And we, but they can point to every picture and tell you who every person yes. is and whatever. So you've got to think about your repatriation timing. And, and that factors into your decision because if you go back with your 13 or 14 year old and you go back to where those grandparents are or aunties and uncles, yes, they're probably going to go to the sports games and they're probably going to see those achievements and go to the f- music night and, um, you know, all those concerts and all those beautiful things. They might do a pickup and a drop off and be able to be accessible in that way. But if you go back when you have young adults, it's hard. It is really hard. Yeah. And yeah. they and and the uh, and the young adults aren't necessarily interested either in forming relationships with their grandparents. No, nope. and and so that's mm. also very hard to watch. And I'm not saying that this is at all a one way process here. I am a hundred percent saying that, you know, that they your own children might be like, yeah, well, you know, they say things I don't like, and why should I have to have a relationship with mm. them based on that? Because you know, I'm I'm over mm. here and they're over there, and how are we ever going to meet in the middle? You being in the middle, as we are in the middle, <laughs> saying, no, but they love you. It doesn't matter what they say. That's not what they mean. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I think that's, that's also perhaps part of my angst over this is being in the middle and saying, okay, these are, these, these are young yeah. people who are, you know, getting on with their lives and want to do their own thing. And I'm trying to instill in them that family is really important, but they don't see it being reciprocated but I'm always plugging for the other side with each other do you know what I mean I'm always supporting the other side with each other but no everyone thinks I'm not everyone thinks I'm yes do you know what I think is hard though Nikki too like I think about my grandparents um my on my mother's side they had passed away by the time I was sort of old enough to to be aware but then on my father's side you know they were right next door but the thing is when I think about the expectation of them um it is so different to what the modern-day grandparent expectation is, right? Like I think about time spent with my – if I would – time spent with my grandmother would have meant you might have been given a job to yes. do. Yes. Do you know, you yes. might have been expected to pitch in and do things. Um do you know, it was more about, you know, you were helping them just as much as yeah. they were helping you, but you also shut your mouth and yes, you yes, um, we behaved totally did as you Correct. were told. Yeah. You behaved so differently. There is no way, you know, I can remember my grandmother said outrageous things. There's no way I would have entered into a, a point of discussion. <laughs> That's right. Where did you get that information from? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Whereas, do you know, with our kids, it's so different isn't it because they they expect it that that they can say um you know I, I I disagree and I think that's wrong and they also you know I don't know if my kids are that great at you know doing jobs or helping or 
you know, doing those things. So they, they probably look very different in that regard. You know, it's a whole, a whole new thing. I'm not saying it's all like that because I'm, as I'm talking, I'm thinking about friends of mine that whose grandparents live on farms and their, their kids go back to the farm and they help and they do jobs and they, you know, earn money and do things and come back. So yeah, a lot to be thought about, I think. But Nikki, thank you. Um, for discussing it because I think um, you have to keep it real. And I think too often I see it in our Two Fat Expats Facebook group, too often people gloss over things to make themselves feel better about their decision um, because it's too hard to think about, shit, am am I stuffing up? Yeah, this potential relationship. Am I, am I stuffing up their education? Am I going to cause years of therapy because they're not going to belong anywhere? Do you know? Am I going to do all these things? And and um, the you know the we we both know Nikki that you don't know because it could happen anywhere you you are. Yeah, you know this this you don't have to be an expat to stuff up your kids. No. <laughs> Yeah. Just uh, that's that's my background, so yes, <laughs> I have to put that in the same column. But yeah, no, you're 100 percent true. Okay, well, that was quite emotional and quite uh, extensive. But Kirsty, so a little bit lighter, brighter, and something I love to yes. talk about, Kirsty. How will you finally write that expat book that you promised us all those years ago? <laughs> all right, yes, you do like to talk about it, and I usually don't, but I'm happy to talk about it today because I think I have worked out how I'm finally going to write that Yay. book that I promised. Um, so, Nikki, I think one of my issues has always been that I have thought that there are far too many expat books out there. Um, and I know that there's lots out there because we obviously get sent them all the time and um, people would like to promote them in the group and which I completely understand, right, because there are lots and lots of stories and I, I think it's great that people have chosen and to write their stories. We need to hear more expat stories. There are a lot of expat books. What I mean is I just have felt, well, why would anyone want mine as well when there are plenty of others out there? Uh, but what I would like to do, because I have been, th- I've been thinking, thinking, thinking a lot lately, Nikki, and I think um, one of the things that's been on my mind, number one is I keep, I don't know why, you know how sometimes things just get logged in your brain and you keep just rejigging back to them. But I keep thinking about a meeting I had with a person who um, is uh, well known and I'm not going to say who they are, but there's a person who's in the expat industry who uh, talks all things uh, financial. And there was a stage where they were looking at um, doing some, they wanted uh, to get involved with the podcast and sponsors or whatever, but they really didn't want to spend any money and they didn't want to, they just wanted us to promote them. Um, and uh, But I can remember this person who's been doing this for a long time uh, referred to expat, uh, predominantly women because uh, that would that would have been the way that that person thought when they thought about people that were um, had chosen to travel with their partner who had the, had inverted commas the job, um, and they referred to these expat women as excess baggage, and they were yeah, and they uh, when I kind of questioned them because I was thinking 
Are you, do you actually know who you're talking to? Do you like? <laughs> do you do understand? You realize that you've just given me, you know, you've, you know, you've basically just given me the biggest insult. Um, but he was no, 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 not you, not you. Like I'm talking about those women, you know, where they're just the, the blokes just cart them from country to country, and you know they're just getting their nails done, and oh. you know, you know, blah blah blah. We all know those people. Like I can remember when I um, when I started uh, in my expat world, and someone said to me, "In my next life, I want to come back as an expat wife," because that was their opinion of what it looked like as you just went and got your nails and hair done and went to coffee mornings and whatever. Anyway, Nikki, a long time has passed since then. We've hopefully those thoughts are disappearing. But while those thoughts are disappearing, I think there's a lot to be discussed about what happens to your psyche when you are the person that is travelling with the person who has the role the 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 visa um and and you don't have to be a woman to be that person you can we we now see how many uh men that we have that are doing the same thing where one day someone came home and said i've been offered a job in xyz and you've sat down and you've done all the math and you've thought about you know how that will affect you and you've looked at all the plausible things of maybe where you live and whatever but what you haven't really realized is what it is going to do with your self-worth at times and um, I don't want to use the phrase coercive control because that is very serious and usually quite violent and terrible. But if there was a phrase for corporate coercive control, I would use that in that um, so often the people that we have, Nikki, that are controlling us don't actually have a face because they're the HR department yes. or they're or they're the CFO. They're the person that's decided they're going to change the way the company does things now and they're not going to let you go somewhere, do something, be something, have something, whatever, because the rules have changed and whatever. And just what it's like to constantly be backing up against that. And um, so that was a very long-winded way of saying, I think I've found what I'm going to write Yay. about. Because I didn't want to write about myself, but I'd like to write about what I've observed in those 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to start talking about it a lot more. I need to find what my phrase is if anyone wants to come up with it, if it is corporate coercive control or is it corporate coercive power. I don't know what it is, but it'll come to me over the next little while. You know, maybe we might call that book excess baggage. And if anyone steals it, I'm I'm dating it now. It's the fifth of February. I said it first. I've copyrighted it. I don't really, but yeah. Anyway. That's it. My book title is this, and you will not be having it. Let's not see yes. that stripped and put on a hundred websites and Instagram posts and people talking about their new book because it's Kirsty Rice's book, people. It's her book. Oh, I'm oh, thrilled I, and excited and we have had a quick conversation about this and I love the idea because I met a woman yesterday and I was talking to her about how long she'd been in Copenhagen and where she was 
how long she would be here and when she was leaving. And she said this, she said the same thing to me. She said, well, we had a bit of an idea and we had four places and then HR said no. They they didn't they wanted to do something else so now it's all back up in the air and it just exactly yep. plays into that situation that's of that's it you know and you spend so long when you're sitting waiting yep. to be told what's going to happen to you yep. next and yes and and the reason we don't talk about it is because we realise that we sound precious and um, you know that whole phrase. People use about expat, you know, princesses. You never, you know, it's never princes. You're never an expat prince. No. You're always an expat princess. Uh, Nikki, just quickly while we've talked, I've had a look. There are approximately four books with the title <laughs> Excess Baggage. So it won't be. <laughs> Um, yes. Um, so that is exactly it. Just those little, those little things that chip away and chip away where you're constantly trying to paddle back up to the surface of your self-esteem and, uh, kick on again and again and again. Um, but yes, anyway, that's it. Nikki, let's talk about our three favorite things. I have done uh, a long haul flight in the last uh, five days. So I've got a couple of movies I'd like Yay. to talk to you about. Number one is Meet Cute, yes. which has your favourite actress, Kaylee Kuko and Pete Davidson. Have you seen it? I have seen it. I'm excited. I just saw it that you were going to talk about it. I was like, oh, I've seen that. Yes. What did you think? I loved it because I thought it was, I loved, so just to give other people the idea, is it's um, one of those movies where the same day is repeated again and again um, by someone going back in time travel, but they can only take it back 24 hours initially, you're told. And um, and so a woman goes back to revisit the best date she'd ever had um, and why it was so fabulous and what she liked about it. Um, and and an interesting premise of that we watch her do that date over and over and over and over again where she just maybe switches up a little things or changes things or knows exactly what he's going to say or what he's going to do. And she's, you know, blissfully happy in her time machine doing that um, until she gets to about the 364th time that she's done it and the monotony kind of catches up on her and these things start to annoy her about about him um and she wants to change him um but I just thought it was such a good it was well done in how it was told is because we start when she's actually redoing the date yes. again we don't we don't start from day one where they have the first date we're already halfway through it when yeah. we get there of her her reenacting it which i think killed a lot of time of the movie you know it made it faster and better and just had you thinking like how is this going to work like how is this going to end? Yes. I thought it was great. What did, what did you think? You know, I, I also agree. I think, did you watch it on the plane? Because I think it would be a great plane movie. Because yeah, it's, I watched it on the yeah, plane. Yeah, I just think it's one yeah. of those things that it's it's interesting enough to keep your attention. You don't have to think about yes. it too much, but it does actually have some sort of deeper undertones to it. So that's yes. kind of like, yes, and yes, you're not yes. going to cry because the plane movie, yes. if you're going to cry in a plane, like there's just tears just belch out of you. Like it's just, planes make you, they have that oxygen thing that make you cry more. So, yeah, no, great plane movie, but I really liked it. Um, I don't particularly like Pete Davidson, so I was interested to see him in yes. a movie, and that's just me 
um, uh, Me too. in media Me too. going, oh, I don't think I like this guy. But I did quite enjoy watching him in this movie. Yes. So that didn't change my opinion of him, but I was like, oh, yeah, this movie. I like him there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I did enjoy it. And, yeah, of course I watched it when it came out. <laughs> Second movie I watched was The Good House, which is a movie with Sigourney Weaver, who I have not seen in a movie for ages and ages. And it's interesting because I listened to her on Smartless just yes. recently, um, which kind of brought her back into my mind. Uh, she plays a real estate agent called Hildy Good, who uh, used to be, you know, the most successful realtor in her area. And then her former assistant, Wendy, sort of stole all of her clients and took her away while she was in rehab. So it's... Um, confronting in, oh, actually not, I'm not going to say it's confronting because it actually did a good job of not being confronting in how it told the story of alcohol in that you're watching it in the beginning and you see where her daughters have had the, um, oh, what do they call it when you all go and talk to someone the and intervention. tell them. Thank you. So you see where the daughters have organised the in intervention and the ex-husband who's now gay is there and, uh, you know, a few Wendy, the assistant, is there. And you watch the intervention and you actually start to think, mm, well, I did. I mean, everybody else could be different. You actually start to believe her going, well, does she really have a problem with alcohol? I'm not sure if she has. Like, because how she's justifying her alcohol intake, you go, well, I don't know if it's that bad that she got up and danced with, you know, all the other kids at the graduation or, do you know, is that, does that make you a, a drunk or whatever? And, and you do start to think, oh, have they all just sort of got it in for her? Because as we know, as mothers of young adults, you can feel, you can start to feel pretty judged on every decision you make. Um, but what what's interesting is that as the movie goes on, you start to go, oh, yes, because what she does is goes to rehab, comes back, uh, assistant Wendy's stolen all of her clients and set up her own business. That trip to rehab has instantly made people kind of maybe judge her a little because, you know, they see her as the woman with a problem. But you watch her rekindle a relationship with Kevin Klein, Frank, and, um, and then you go, oh, you do have a problem with alcohol because you see that she's going to everything, pretending that she's not drinking, and then she's going home and grabbing a bottle of wine out of the back shed and sitting there and enjoying it. But then you realise as the movie goes on, oh, it's not just a bottle of wine. You've you've really lost the plot here. So it's it was a an interesting way of looking at someone's relationship with alcohol and of course ends with a crescendo where you go you go oh this is really 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 bad you've done something really really bad and you're with her while she's thinking she's done something really 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 cringe awful bad too um so yes i would um recommend that just to foreseeing two people of a certain age who haven't had any work done to their faces either, Nikki. Yeah, well, I was just lovely. thinking that they're carrying that movie and you don't often see a movie where like yes, the age yes. is a – although this yep. year has been a big year for that, um, the Academy Awards and stuff, it, it, uh, the actor's a little bit older. Yes. But, it, yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. You didn't no, cry? It's great. It wasn't crying? No crying? Uh, 
was there crying? Um, you know, when you've been on a plane for 14 hours with someone's seat pushed up against your knees and um, okay. I could have cried for crying many about other reasons. things. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And the people keep coming and saying to you, the stewardess saying, are you enjoying your flight, Ms. Rice? Because, you know, you're a gold frequent flyer, even though you only fly economy because you fly so often and they've only given you 3,000 AVS points. But, hey, that's a whole other discussion we could have and I'm not bitter at all. Uh, My third favourite thing is a brand new baby girl called Wingle, who in Ethiopian means the good news. And that is because Helen Helen had her baby. Helen had her baby. So uh, for those who um, have followed on for a long time, you'll know exactly who Helen is. For those who are new, Helen worked with us for years and years and years and went back to Ethiopia in December uh, to have her second child. And that's where she'll be staying. Um Helen sent me a video of her walking her son to school, I don't know, about a month ago. Um, and just, oh, absolute tears of joy from, from G and I, just oh, watching Helen yep. just walk her son to school yeah. and walk him home. You know, it's the most yes. simplest joy that we all take for granted that Helen has worked her butt off, you know, for a long time to build a house and get home and be able to establish herself and now had her second baby. Um, Wingle arrived with within an hour. Oh, wow. Ooh. That was quick. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. But don't you love that? It means the good news. That is lovely. I love it. So, yes, that completely made my day. And for anyone that's out there who has the opportunity to employ someone or to have staff or they live somewhere where they can change someone's life dramatically, I highly recommend it. Um, There is, it is a certain opportunity that you get. As an expat, isn't it, Nikki, where you get to actually, you know, you're not se- you're not sitting at home in Australia giving your money to World Vision and getting your no, photo you're actually to put doing on the fridge. It. World Vision in real life, yes. You're doing World Vision in real life and you can do it without the white saviour. You can... Yeah, do it where it's a transaction between you, where you're both, you're both doing well, but you you can be incredibly kind to someone and get them there three times faster than what they would normally get there, and it you, there is nothing uh, that makes you feel better. I don't think. No, and it's I can't think of anything else. Yeah, yeah. no, it's so lovely. Yeah, so yeah, a hundred percent agree. Yes. So, Nikki, your three favourite things. Okay, so my three favourite things. So, Cassie, last week we, I said The Last of Us. I was watching The Last of Us. <gasps> yes, we have to talk about this. We have to and, talk about and this. And then afterwards. I was so flippant. I was so flippant at well, the time. as I was if I. if you listen back, I'm like, nope, nope, <laughs> not watching that. Well, <laughs> as was I, and I was like, do we need another pandemic? You know, it's a bit mm-hmm. scary because it's also mm-hmm. a bit more realistic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. And so I talked yeah. about that, and then I was just watching uh, something absolutely mindless on TV, and uh, my a girlfriend in Hamburg, who's from New Zealand, messaged me and said, "Have you watched episode three of The Last of Us?" So I was like, "No." She said, "Okay." I was like, <laughs> yeah. "That means I have to go and watch it." She said. I would if I was you. And so then I went and watched it and I came back and I went, oh, my God, that was amazing. And she said, and I'm also listening to the podcast. Now, 
There is a ah. thousand, fifteen hundred, and that's my favourite thing for this week. There is a thousand podcasts about The Last of Us because it's a video game. It came out yes. in two thousand and thirteen. Of course, my sons played the whole thing and yes. said, "I can't. Well, how do Same. you even you know about this?" I was like, "Dude, it's a big show on TV." Uh, and um, then the part two in twenty twenty, and it, apparently, even we bought it for him one Christmas. I was like, "I didn't even know." So, <laughs> but um, the podcast has. The host, the official HBO podcast has, the host is Troy Baker, who plays Joel, which is the main character in the video game. Uh. And I tell you, I thought, do you think you'd feel a bit bad about not playing Joel, the main character in the TV series? Dude, if you go to this dude's Wikipedia page, he has more credits for things. (laughs) I think pretty sure he's going to be much more better off than anyone. He Anime, animation, film and video games. This guy is like on fire. So I think he's pretty happy doing that and and his podcast gig. Uh, He's a professional uh, voiceover person. And the showrunner, so Craig Mazin, who... um, is a creator of the show. He did Chernobyl, the TV series. Right. But also yep. he's also behind Mythic Quest, which is on Apple TV. Have you ever seen the Mythic Quest thing? It's about a video uh, game company. No. It's quite funny. It's about uh, a video game company yes. and trying to keep their video game, whatever. Yes. And he also did The Hangover yes, yes, Part yes, yes. 2 and 3. And the other guy on the podcast is Neil Druckmann, who is the co-president of Naughty Dog. And I love that video game... Uh, places have the best names so naughty dog is the name and he is the creator uh, of the last of us the video game so the podcast Ah. is fantastic because it has the guy who created the tv series the guy who created the video game and the guy who played joel in the video game and they talk through each of the episodes and um, I immediately went and watched episode three as my girlfriend and then she and I were texting deep into the had night about Had you watched one and two? Yes, I had watched one and two because I discussed that with you that I had yeah. watched one and two. Yes. And so I yeah. – and she had heard on the podcast that I had watched one and two and so she was asking had I watched three yet, which I hadn't. And so there, yes. I went to episode three and it was it was amazing because the first half of it I was thinking – Thank God this episode did not come out before the pandemic because I was just looking at this guy who was the prepper and whatever uh, and how he was yeah. like avoiding the government yeah. and the everything, everything. Yeah. And then the second half I was like, oh, the people who loved him in the first half of this episode are going to be so pissed off about the second half of this episode. <laughs> episode three was out of this world amazing because it was a beautiful, beautiful love story in the middle of a video game and a yeah. pandemic. Yes, yes. And without, I'm not going to ruin it by giving any of it away, but I have to tell this story, Nikki, is that I I think because, you know, you and I had that chat. If you go back and you listen to the podcast, it's only, it's only like two episodes ago, yep. I think, and you said, oh, it's about the pandemic and they've got a fungus in their brain. And I was like, nup, nup, you can hear me in the background. Nup, 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 nup. I'm not doing that. Anyway, I then I sent you a message and said, oh, my son says it's a video game. And you were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, my eldest son is very different than my youngest son. And my eldest son is the one that is usually telling everybody to take a, you know, big spoonful of cement yeah. and harden the whatever. And um, he brings us great joy with his great levelers because his two sisters are far more the other way and are going to look after and love everyone and he's the one that's going to keep us all on the straight and narrow and so he's always quite 
offhandish and hard, I guess. Not not hard, but offhandish things. He he thinks that everybody should really sort of look after themselves a little bit better. Anyway, so the day after that episode, I didn't even realise it was the day after that episode, but he went to work and he came home and he was sitting out on the front deck and I said, are you okay, buddy? Like you seem, you seem sad. He goes, no, no, I'm fine. I'm just tired. And then I sat down and he said, I just can't stop thinking about the episode last night, <laughs> The Last of Us. And I said, really? And I said, oh, you know, Nikki and I talked about that. Oh, God, I can think of it. it sounded ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't want to. And he was like, mum, I think you need to go and watch it because he said, actually, he goes, I actually don't think you should watch it because I think you would get too upset. Like I I think it would make you too sad. And he said it's so well written and it's so well done and it's so beautiful and the story has so much meaning and he said it just it just gets you like it's right in the heart and it's just the best analogy about how life should be and whatever. I was like, oh my God. Anyway, then he proceeded to tell me about it. And without, I don't, I'm not going to tell the details, but, um, you know, there's a, there's a part of it that is just a, where you go, that is just the greatest love story moment in the world. And he was telling me, and I started crying, <laughs> Nikki. I don't know who these characters are. I don't know what's happened beforehand. He explained the prepper guy. Yeah. He explained the other guy. He then explained the relationship. He explained the moment. And then he said to me, you know, mum, because that's what. I'm getting sad <laughs> thinking about it now. I got sad when I was telling my husband about the moment with Fred. But I... He said, you know, because, mum, that's what the world is. We need these people to look after these people. That's why we're all here. (laughs) And it was like I started crying and then he was really emotional and I thought, oh, my gosh. Anyway, I came home and I was telling G. I said, oh, Fred and I were sitting on the porch and I'd started and Greg was just laughing at me like you are now. But I've seen it. Has he, has G seen it? No, no. Have Um, you seen it? Did you go watch it? No. Oh my God, you haven't even seen it. No, it just you have to watch it. It so beautiful. Nick Offerman is the prepper. And you you really right. associate him with comedic stuff, right? Like he's yes. he's very yes. he's in the office. Like he's in he's in yes. the weird funny guy. And then the yes. other guy yes. is yes. Murray Bartlett, who plays Armand in uh, White Lotus One. He's an Australian actor. Yes, yes. And it is amazing because the whole episode is built around just two people in the pandemic, and it it, it is yes. I mean, I'm sure your son explained it to him much better, but the, yes. the everything and you are my purpose. Oh, he did. He walked <laughs> me through the whole thing and it was like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. Like it was. Yeah, it's in a great analogy. Yeah. And then hearing the creator of the video game talking about it was amazing because he said, you know, the, sh- the game is about this and, and, but what it is about is love. The whole game is about yes. love. Obviously, you go around killing random alien yeah. fungi people, but yeah. but it's about showing love. And he said, you know, yes. the, and, I don't know, clips in video games, so you have a little outtake where you watch a, like a one-minute 
video and you're not playing the game. It just catches you up on the story or it gives you context for the story and the situation. <sighs> and he said this is something you could never – it's 73 minutes or something is his episode. He said you could never have told this story in the video game but it – it was intimated at, and actually in the video game it has a different outcome. They actually break up. They don't end up like whatever, mm. but but they were together. So he said this is the most amazing thing. And and everywhere I've been this week and everything, and Twitter just, I'm sorry, people can talk about Twitter being, you know, over and a, a rabid and everything, but the <laughs> memes and the comments on Twitter were just yes. everything. Yes. I was just loving the whole yeah. thing. Anyway. Yeah, until people find somewhere else to go where, yeah. <laughs> where they can all do that Twitter will because it is the one thing that our young people are still using for the same reason that we're still using. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I still go yeah. to Twitter in times of, of that kind of stuff. Um, yes. yes. Okay. What okay. Else? And the other thing is uh, a podcast I'm listening to, which I'm really enjoying. It's called The Sound, The Mystery of Havana Syndrome. So you would have seen in the news over time that, you know, there, there were American diplomats in Havana, Cuba, who were having a strange ringing sound um, in their ears mm. and dizziness. And the podcast blurb says, you know, um, the Simpsons have Havana syndrome are so bad that U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris's 2021 visit to Vietnam was delayed due to possible cases. Um, so no one knows what causes the condition. And it says, along with spies and neurologists, Nikki Wolf investigates and asks why it affects so many US and Canadian diplomats. And it is so something that interests me anyway. And but I think it would interest anyone to listen to the fact that these people's lives have been and they are just like us. They're living globally mobile lives. They went on a job in Cuba, just mm. like we packing up a plane and go and live in a new country. And they mm. and I was listening to, to an episode last night while I was walking and the guy said, you know, the sound was like, he said cicadas. So he said it was like a cicada kind of sound in their house. It was in their house and they were sitting on their deck and it was so loud that they just thought it was cicadas. And they said, you know, you move to new countries and there's all sorts of different sounds and smells and tastes and and you always get sick a little bit when you move because your stomach gets upset because of different things and the yes. food and whatever. And, and and I was thinking, yes, that's true. Whenever I go to a new country, I always have an upset stomach for, you know, the first couple of months or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, it's just, totally. just yep. changes in everything. And I was like, of course, that's what you think. I'm just, I've done this before. I'm doing this now, whatever. And the saddest thing, I've only listened to two episodes so far, but the saddest thing is, is that both the episodes um, and the guy, the interviewer um, mentioned it last night. He said in both these episodes we've heard from, we've heard about couples. So a lot of people are tandems in diplomatic places. Uh, so they go together with their partner yeah. and their yeah, partner and then yeah. both work together in the in the consulate or whatever. And so yes. they live in consulate housing. And so the housing was impacted as well as the consulate. And he said in both these episodes we've heard from just one partner in the relationship because the other people in the relationship, which in this case are both women, aren't, they're still so unwell, five years later they can't do an interview. They can't get their thoughts together to do an interview. Oh, the experience of the sound is like, and then they did an interview with a neurologist, is equivalent to having played the NFL for years and years and years and the concussion oh, that you experience from it. And yeah. it's just like imagine being just a person excited about going to a new diplomatic, like a new country and a new expat experience and 
and then having this happen to you, like just through absolutely no fault of your own. And just, and you know, I have a, a lot of friends here who are in the US diplomatic corps and, you know, work in the consulate here and, I mean, I haven't discussed this with them, but I just think it could be them. You know, yeah. they could have been in, in one of these countries at this time. Anyway, it's really interesting. So it's told really well. I'm, I'm imagining that people in those houses have staff as well. That Have have they got sick as well? So, Or is it just the, the people from the consulate? Well, it's just the people from the consulate. And I don't know if the people in those houses no, do weird. have staff because, like, the way you have to keep your diplomatic... Um, the no. sensitivity of it. I they yes. don't say but I do understand that it's probably people who were um in the CIA or the FBI <laughs> like they, yes. they weren't just like yeah. the HR people although like when you have yes. a tandem one person can sometimes be the yes. HR person which one of these um, yes. men's wives was but the the sound it doesn't it's not there all the time so it's just when they're sleeping or it's just when in the evenings or oh and it comes gosh. and goes. And so this uh, one incidence where the, the sound could come in the middle of the night, the partner was asleep and she woke up and the room was spinning and she started vomiting and it, it's just oh. it's like a bad concussion that's caused by this sound. Wow. Anyway, it's it's horrifying horrifying um, but I also think yeah. that not that much has been written about it I mean I, I would say that everyone was probably on the surface level understanding of it but I'm sure that if I spoke to some of my friends here that they would they would probably briefed on it before they started a new posting about this is what you have to do if you hear sounds yeah. or whatever because you know yeah. and, and not just the Americans probably the British and you know other countries as well because it, it is considered to be something that they're it's, it's an attack yeah. on them. So anyway, yeah. the podcast is called The Sound Mystery of Havana Syndrome and it's it's well worth a listen, I think. Okay. Um, All right. And my third favourite thing is I've also got a person thing. So this week I went to meet up with someone who's new to Copenhagen, who a friend of a friend put me in contact with, and we sat, you know, we were going to meet for an hour for a quick sort of catch up and coffee and four and a half hours later, um, her husband messaged her and said, uh, are you okay? Like, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> My friend Liz, who I met in, the, in, in South Africa, always jokes um, about that, that, you know, like, did anyone try and steal your kidneys? Because we met online and then we had to meet in a public place. And this was the same sort of thing. I said, no, we met in a public place. I said, and her people contacted her and said, where are you? I said, I was all free and easy. I didn't tell anyone where I was going. <laughs> I could have been kidneyless in no time. But it was just really lovely. And uh, it's an Australian lady who's moved to Copenhagen and she uh, knows more friends of friends. You know, you sit down and talk for four hours and then you end up, you know, knowing loads of people in different yeah. places. So, yeah. yep. Yep, and yep, so yep. that was my favourite thing for this week as well. So there you go. Lovely. So Kirsty, oh, we've <laughs> got to talk about the meetup. We've got to talk about the meetup. Oh. Um, so. 16th of February, Thursday the 16th of February, we are meeting at the Blue Balls Bike Cafe. Great name for a cafe. Um, and all the details are on twofatexpats.com. You can buy your ticket there. I think for 50 Singapore, are they dollars in I Singapore? Think I always forget. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be fair, I've got I've got a fair few things to, you know, ring it, ring it. Dirhams, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Thursday, 16th of Feb at the Blue Boars Cafe, 50 Singapore dollars. We'll get you a live recording of Two Fat Expats with both Nikki and myself. And we will have two fabulous speakers with sort of a theme on how you keep floating and your head above water and how you then maybe even thrive as you're doing that, whether it's creating your business, buying um, and building a cafe or, you know, whatever you want to do for that globally mobile career. It's going to be fun, Nikki. You get drinks, you get, uh, yeah, a couple of drinks, you get finger food, you get tea and coffee and water and you get, not that I mean water should be free, um, you get. <laughs> you get us. You get. <laughs> You get us, but there will be food on arrival and food served afterwards, a couple of glasses of wine or a couple of glasses of beer, whatever takes your fancy, or if you're softies, that's cool too. But yes, come, we would love it. The last time we went uh, to Singapore, Nikki, you couldn't come. No. I ended up, my father-in-law passed away, you know, it was quite, it was a big week that week, so this is going to be fun. And a lovely thing about last time you went to Singapore was that there were some people who I knew who came and they met people there for the first time. So yes. we also yes. encourage the, this is one of those things you can do if you're looking to make new friends in a place. Yes, 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 absolutely. And, you know, we're open to connecting newbies or putting newbies and oldies together, however you want to do it. Okay. Nikki, I'll talk to you next week. I'll talk to you next week and then I'll see you quite soon after that. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye.